Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. My name is Kevin Rognes, and I'm the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant Church. I just wanted to say thank you, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on any of the major podcasting platforms. Thank you so much. We really appreciate uh, you watching this content that we put out. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please let me know. My email listed email address is listed and in the I cannot talk today. <laughs> it's listed in the uh, description area of the episode. So please feel free to reach out for me about anything that you want to see or hear in this podcast. So today we're going to be starting a new series of podcast episodes that is geared around objections to Christianity. Uh, I'm sure a lot of us have heard a variety of je- a variety of objections to Christianity and why people don't believe in Christ, don't think that Christianity is a valid religion, or simply don't want to be involved in the church. There's a whole bunch of reasons why that may be the case, and in this series we're going to tackle, I think, five of those, unless by popular demand you have a whole lot of other questions of things that you want us to make sure we get to. So to arrive at these five particular objections, I just googled Common Objections to Christianity, and I made this big chart of what various sources thought were some of the most frequent objections to Christianity, and that's what we're going to cover. And so today, we're going to start with uh, the first objection, which is that Christianity is perhaps narrow-minded or exclusive as a religion. This idea that oh, Christianity just thinks that there's only one way. Well, maybe there's multiple ways. That's kind of the common objection. And so today I'm just going to walk through a few pieces that may be helpful for you in your thinking if you're wrestling with this objection or with this question, or if you often experience this in conversation with other people, or if someday you will. So hopefully this will be a good resource in addressing that question, that conversation. So... The question is, Does or is Christianity narrow-minded or exclusive? Does Christianity make a claim to exclusivity? So, that's a relatively easy question to answer because we see something in John 14.6, which is something that uh, where Jesus is talking to his disciples and they ask him a question, and Jesus answers and says, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So right there in that simple sentence, that simple verse, John 14, 6, Jesus is saying that, yes, I am the only way to God, to the Heavenly Father, and thus it can be extrapolated from there that Jesus is the only way towards what many people call heaven. Um, In Christianity, we often think of it as the new heavens and the new earth when all things are restored. There's a variety of different names for that. But, in essence, Jesus is saying that, yes, I am the only way to life. So the Christian belief, the core doctrine of Christianity, says that, yes, this is indeed the only way to eternal life. So Christianity is indeed claiming an exclusive path. However, this exclusive path is open to everybody. God wants everybody to take this path. 
God wants everybody to experience the fullness of life in Christ and through Christ. So while it may be a singular path, the path is available to everyone should they choose to accept it. So that's an important thing to make note of. Another important thing is if we broaden our perspective a little bit and think about other world religions, it's important to ask the same thing of other world religions. Are other world religions also exclusive? This may or may not factor into the conversations that you have or into what you may be wrestling with, but I think it's still an important thing to look at. And I, before I go into much of this, I want to say I am very much not an expert of other religions, but what I, I will share what I do know of these. So, like I said before, Christianity does make an exclusive claim to truth, to the way to God and eternal life. However, Islam is also a strictly monotheistic religion. And Islam rejects any contradicting worldviews, um, or at least the core belief systems of Islam uh, rejects other conceptions of God or of what it means to receive in, uh, eternal life or uh, receive reward from God. Again, I'm not phrasing this probably very well because I'm not um, an expert on Islam, um, but I can certainly say with confidence that Islam is also a monotheistic religion that doesn't necessarily have space for other religions to also be true alongside of it. The same can be said of Judaism. Judaism is also very monotheistic. So Judaism and Christianity obviously have a lot in common. But when you look at the Hebrew Bible, which Christians often term the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible is also making very monotheistic exclusive claims about God. Throughout the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Bible, as the, the Jewish faith knows it, um, God is often saying, I am the one and only God. O Israel, I am your God. You shall have no other God but me. And certainly Christianity builds upon that tradition and introduces Jesus as an extension, or um, not an extension, that's not the right way of saying it, um, Jesus is kind of the fulfillment of those prophecies in the Old Testament, and so we are to have no other God but Jesus. Um, but yes, Judaism then also would say um, that it's a monotheistic faith and that other faiths would not be compatible with the vision and understanding of the Jewish faith. So the three major monotheistic religions, again, monotheistic meaning uh, only one God, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity all would say um, that they are the only true way of understanding and knowing God. Let's talk a little bit then about some monotheistic religions, or excuse me, polytheistic religions um, in which there may be many gods or many conceptions or understanding of God. Um, the two most common of those uh, polytheistic faiths would be Buddhism and Hinduism. Now, because they are polytheistic, many people, sometimes Buddhists and Hindus included in that, would argue that they are very inclusive of other worldviews. So some Buddhists or Hindus would possibly say that they are inclusive of Christian viewpoints and worldviews. Um, or a Buddhist might say that of 
Islam or of Judaism. Um, however, there are a lot of teachings in both Hindu or Hinduism and Buddhism that are just not compatible with the monotheistic religions. And if they're not compatible, it's hard to say that um, they're therefore inclusive of it. So when, um, when talking about this conversation, Christianity is not unique in asserting a singular exclusive approach to knowing God or in seeking eternal life in some way. Um, a lot of religions talk about those things in very different terms, but Christianity is not unique in exclusivity of other religious viewpoints. That's a very, uh, it's a very high level summary. Um, that's not a lot of detail on what some of these other religions uh, may say about this conversation. Um, and certainly I'm not an expert in that. And so you may hear very different uh, perspectives from people of those faiths. Um, that may mean that I'm wrong. Um, it may also mean that there are a variety of interpretations within those individual faiths. So um, all of that to say is that even if Christianity is making an exclusive claim, which it is, that's not necessarily unique to the Christian faith. So with all of that said, I want to come back to the idea of uh, Christianity perhaps being exclusive or narrow-minded as an objection to Christianity or to the Christian faith. So um, they, there are people who sometimes, when objecting to Christianity, um, they may not mean it as an insult, but sometimes it's maybe said in an insult of, oh, you Christians are being very narrow-minded or you're very exclusive. Um, I think it's important to dig into... Um, some of that exclusivity uh, language, because that's become a very, very important conversation in our culture today. So we, um, we, we hear a lot about inclusivity and exclusivity in our culture. And it's, let's dig into a little bit of that, because inclusivity has become, um, for much of our culture, a cultural value. People think it is important to be inclusive of other people and other ideas. And in many ways, I would agree, and I think scripture would agree as well, in the sense that we need to be inclusive of people of other races, of other socioeconomic um, statuses, um, people who are maybe marginalized in various ways. Inclusivity is, in many ways, a biblical value, because again, like I said earlier, even though Christianity offers a singular path towards God and towards eternal life, it's a path that everyone is invited in. So, it's, so inclusivity is a good thing in many respects. Inclusivity is important for welcoming and loving people. It's important for extending hospitality to people, especially people that are different from us. So inclusivity is a very good thing in many respects. Um, I would also then, let's turn to look away from inclusivity and look at exclusivity. Um, exclusivity has a lot of very negative connotations and in many cases, rightfully and understandably so. Um, we've all seen horrible things happen 
that are exclusive things. So expressions of exclusivity that are negative include things like racism, ableism, um, sexism, bullying, different kinds of abuse, different forms of discrimination. There has been a lot of exclusivity in the world and specifically in American culture. And so when people hear exclusivity, they often think of those negative things that have happened in the past. And certainly, um, we have to be aware of the ways in which the church has participated in um, or been complicit in forms of exclusivity that are very unhealthy. Um, we need to own up to that as Christians. We need to own up to the ways that um, people ha of the Christian faith have not always lived it out perfectly. If we don't own up to it, it, it just creates a whole lot of problems because people can see that. People can see when we're not living up to what we preach. And if we can't own up to that, that's a whole other problem. That's also probably another podcast episode. But, so all of that to say is that inclusivity has a lot of value. Exclusiv exclusivity has certainly been extremely problematic in many aspects of society. And the church has participated in that to some extent um, in certain contexts. However, with all that said, because the inclusivity and exclusivity question has become so prominent and so important and necessary in some ways, it has sometimes overshadowed the question of whether or not something is true. So when that does happen, I think it's well intended that people are very focused on inclu inclusivity. We do need to keep that in mind. We do need to be say, what can we do to be more inclusive of other people that are not currently in our church right now? However, if we do that to the extent of um, overlooking the question of truth first, then it's perhaps an overcorrection. So the bigger question before we get to questions of inclusivity and exclusivity is, is it true? So is Christianity true? If it is, and if it's a singular exclusive path, we need to accept that it's an exclusive path, but then do everything we can to include people and invite them to walk that path alongside us. So whether or not Christianity is true or not is a really big uh, question, and that's for a whole other series of podcasts, so we're not going to get into that today, even though, yes, it's a very important question. But um, we should always be asking if a certain um, idea or concept or theology or doctrine is true before we're asking, is it inclusive or exclusive? That, again, that's not to say that inclusivity and exclusivity should never be a part of our conversations. They absolutely need to be. But the bigger question first, especially for anybody who's wrestling with these conversations or these objections to Christianity, the first question is, is it true? Or is Judaism true? Or is Islam true? Or Buddhism? Or Hinduism? Those are the first questions to ask before you ask, okay, does this include other people of other faiths? So 
we need to be asking what Scripture says about Jesus first, and then follow that, what Jesus says, while then also seeking to invite and include all of all people in the Great Commission. That's what the Great Commission is all about. And again, the Great Commission, we get that in, at the end of Matthew, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. That's an inclusive message. It's all nations being brought together to follow Jesus. So that is a whole lot of uh, conversation about uh, when people object to Christianity on grounds that it's maybe narrow-minded or exclusive. Um, I think we need to own up to the ways in which it is exclusive. Because if we don't, um, people will hear the rest of the Christian message and go, well, I know what these words mean, and I know that it applies here. So there are elements of the Christian message that do exclude other religions. But again, the bigger question is, was that statement in the first place true? So that may hopefully help you if you're wrestling with these things yourself. I'm hopeful that that is clarifying to you. And if you're ever engaging in these conversations, I hope that get, this gives you a little bit more information or um, ways of thinking things to process this in a helpful way. So that's going to be all of our conversation for today. Um, as always, if you have questions about this, please let me know in that email. I would love to hear from you um, and love to have an ongoing dialogue with you. We're going to be continuing this series in the next four weeks about um, objections to Christianity, objections to Jesus. And so I hope that you stay tuned for that, and I hope that you enjoy it and share it with your friends. That's all we have for today. Thank you very much for watching or listening, and have a wonderful and blessed day.